After announcing his retirement in October, Habib Nurmagomedov's shadow has loomed large over the lightweight division. The current title cluster is exciting with new faces like Charles Oliveira and Michael Chandler in the mix. But the main issue Nurmagomedov's exit presents is the fact that he has emphatically beaten a number of the other contenders in the bracket. Out of the current top 15, the 29-0 terror has claimed the scalps of Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, Conor McGregor, Rafael Dos Anjos and Al Iaquinta. After one of the most dominant spells in a division the UFC has ever seen, it feels as though anyone who rises up to claim the vacated goal will be plagued with a common refrain of, yeah, that was great, but how would you do against Habib? I don't feel nothing. This is P.T. Carroll and today I'll be pondering whether the UFC's lightweight division can thrive in the absence of Habib Nurmagomedov. Habib's retirement from the sport came on the back of a beautiful display of skill and dominance against Justin Gaethje. It was a fairy tale ending to a storied career, but if we know one thing about the UFC, it's that fighters don't usually leave when they want to. Their exits are usually prompted when the organisation has taken everything it needs from the athlete. White teased the return of the Russian ahead of UFC's first show of 2021, its network debut on ABC. I met with Habib Nurmagomedov last night on ABC The Network. I'm going to talk about his decision. But when the time came, no decision was made and the division was left in limbo. A lofty stipulation based on what subsequently happened at UFC 257, White was adamant that the Eagle would soar again if something spectacular happened. But wouldn't you know it, after two spectacular knockouts from Poirier and Chandler on the night, White's tune changed again. I did talk to Habib. He said to me, Dana, be honest with yourself. I'm so many levels above these guys. I beat these guys, and I, I don't, I, I don't know. But it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound very positive. So, and what he said was, I told you guys before, he won't hold the division up. I mean, he already retired. He's basically retired. I'm the one that's been trying to get him to do one more. You could take White's comments at face value, but it wasn't lost on viewers that his views on Habib's retirement changed significantly when the notion of a rematch between the Russian and his bitter rival McGregor was obscured by Poirier's second round win. To be fair, with their first meeting holding the number one spot in all-time UFC pay-per-view boys, you can hardly blame the guy. While the most dominant champions in UFC, Demetrius Johnson and Anderson Silva, were dethroned, there have been many other reigning champions, like Nurmagomedov, who left on their own accord in the midst of their championship runs. Frank Shamrock, Jens Pulver, George St. Pierre, BJ Penn, Murillo Bustamante and Henry Cejudo have all walked away from the UFC while holding a championship belt. Given that he effectively cleared out his division before announcing his plans to retire, Canadian Goliath St. Pierre's case is most similar to Nurmagomedov's. St. Pierre announced his decision to step back from the sport following his controversial win over Johnny Hendricks in their 2013 welterweight title clash. He did the same thing four years later when he defeated Michael Bisping at Madison Square Garden to claim the middleweight crown in 2017. It was at welterweight that GSP really forged his legacy. Shockingly, Dana was not too pleased with his prompt decision to hang up his gloves following the narrow win over Hendricks. In a situation that mirrors Habib's, he was not willing to let his champion go so easily. I mean, did he say he wants to retire? He didn't say, I'm, I'm going to retire, I'm hanging it up, it's been great everybody, thanks a lot for all the years, see you later. He said, I'm going to take some time off. You, you, don't, you don't just say, hey, I'm going to take a, a while off, and maybe I'll be back, maybe I won't. You owe it to the fans, you owe it to that belt. You owe it to this company and you owe it to Johnny Hendricks to give him that opportunity to, to, to fight again. There's no, hey, listen, I'm going to go on a cruise and, you know, I'm going to be gone for two years and, you know, I'm going to take a hiatus. I'm going to I'm going to take a leave of absence. I'm going to whatever the hell it was that he was saying. Uh, that's not how it works. It doesn't work that way. Uh, funnily enough, it did work out that way. St. Pierre has never fought in the weight class again. After vacating the title in December 2013, the division was flush with energy. 
Hendrix became the welterweight champion when he defeated Robbie Lawler, only for Lawler to claim it back from Big Rig nine months later. Lawler defended the title twice in two of the greatest championship fights in UFC history against Rory MacDonald and Carlos Condit before Tyron Woodley scored a devastating KO over Ruthless to dethrone him. After defending his title against Stephen Thompson, Demian Maia and Darren Till, Kamaru Usman scored a one-sided decision over T. Wood to clinch the belt in March 2019 and has remained at the top of the bracket ever since. Even now, he has a plethora of interesting challenges ahead of him. Next, he takes on former teammate Gilbert Burns. The winner of Leon Edwards v Hamzat Shemoyev will likely produce a new contender. Stephen Thompson could rise to challenge again. And there's always rematches with Jorge Masvidal and Colby Covington that would provoke massive interest among the fans. There hasn't been an overhanging question about how Usman would get on against Saint-Pierre, but that could be due to his final disputed bout in the division, a fight that's still debated to this day against Hendricks, or the fact he returned at a higher weight class. All things considered, it's not always sunshine and roses for a new champion taking the place of a dominant title holder. While welterweight has continued to shine in the absence of Saint-Pierre, having lost to John Jones before he was crowned champion, Daniel Cormier was not given the same triumphant welcome as Hendricks Lawler & Co when he first clenched a 205-pound title. Jones was stripped of the light heavyweight championship and suspended indefinitely after facing felony charges stemming from a traffic incident in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Despite a dominant victory over Anthony Johnson, Cormier was booed when he set his crosshairs on Jones when he first had the belt wrapped around his waist. Although he was widely praised for his exciting clash with Alexander Gustafsson, he was a target for the Boo Boys again following his victory over Anderson Silva at UFC 200. Jones returned to the division and KO'd Cormier, but the decision was overturned when he tested positive for Turinobol. Fifteen months later, he reclaimed the vacant title, which was defended three more times before announcing his decision to move to heavyweight. Jan Blahovic now reigns supreme at 205, and there is much intrigue surrounding his upcoming bout with Israel Adesanya. The fact that a champion from another division has been brought in for Blahovic's first defence says a lot about the strength of contenders in the division. The point of all this is that even in the most comparable situation with GSP or the worst case scenario of a champion stripped and again leaving in John Jones, divisions always recover from losing a champion. These divisions are thriving. As I said at the top of this feature, the outlook is very positive for Lightweight despite the Habib-shaped hole that's left in the division. After his stunning second round stoppage of the sport's biggest star, McGregor, Poirier appears to be in the driving seat in terms of getting first dibs on the title. Like Khabib, he has victories over a number of fighters in the rankings like McGregor, Gaethje and Dan Hooker. Many believe that Poirier v McGregor 2 should have been for the vacant lightweight title. Underlying the feelings of the masses, the diamond has referred to himself as the uncrowned champion since the win. Following his victory, all signs pointed towards Poirier meeting Oliveira, who currently rides an 8-fight win streak including marquee wins over Kevin Lee and Tony Ferguson. However, from speaking to journalists who covered UFC 257, the Brazilian has won a lot of criticism from the promotion and the fighters at the top of the division for not accepting a fight on the Abu Dhabi fight card. Although Dubronx claimed he wouldn't be able to make 155 pounds in time, Hooker summed up the feelings of his fellow contenders when he was asked about the situation at the UFC 257 press conference. The only reason I'm here is because everyone ahead of me turned the fight down. They don't want to take the risk. They don't want to risk their spot. You know, they come up with a bunch of excuses. Oh, Charlie Olives. Saying he can't make the weight. Like, Dana, you believe Charlie Olives can't make the weight? I got broomsticks thicker than that boy. I'm here. I'm taking the risk. That means that I reap the, the reward. 
We don't know if Oliveira waiting it out has fed into Poirier eyeing a third meeting with McGregor as opposed to a fresh challenge for the lightweight title. In a recent interview with Ariel Hawani for ESPN, McGregor's coach John Kavanaugh has also underlined the intent of the Notorious to meet Poirier for the divisional gold in May. Based on previous form from the UFC, they might give the Notorious an immediate rematch and that would undoubtedly lead to another massive payday for Poirier, McGregor and the UFC. Should Poirier opt to fight McGregor instead of the fan-favorite Oliveira meeting, it would give the UFC a perfect opportunity to book Oliveira v Chandler for a number one contender bout on the back of the former Bellator champion's stunning win over Hooker. Gaethje has become the most popular suggestion for Chandler's next matchup should Oliveira clash with Dustin for the vacant title. Some even feel Chandler should go straight into a title fight. White pointed to Poirier v Chandler being the fight to make following their wins at UFC 257. At the post-fight press conference, however, Poirier underlined that a victory over Hooker, a man who he has already defeated, shouldn't be enough to grant Chandler a title shot. You know, he should fight Charles Oliveira or something. Let Chandler and Charles Oliveira go at it. Um, that doesn't really interest me at, the, at this point. Interestingly, back in October, he outlined how he felt Chandler making more money than him was a slap in the face after being offered a fight with the former Bellator champion. I've been in the UFC for 10 years, what, I think eight main events, two pay-per-view main events. The guy's gonna come in here and make more money than me. I understand it's business, but if you want me to fight that guy, you know, you gotta, we gotta step it up. You know, that's a slap in the face. Also, as Helwani highlighted in the ESPN post-fight show, Poirier's straight-up refusal to entertain a meeting with Chandler in a title fight could stem from Chandler's willingness to step up and fight Tony Ferguson last year. Ahead of Poirier and Ferguson's proposed meeting in 2020, Poirier stood firm before signing on the dotted line in an effort to increase his pay package. Chandler claiming he would step in and fight Ferguson, taking away his leverage, may have left a bad taste in Poirier's mouth. While Poirier is vying for a third meeting with McGregor, this time for the lightweight title, it feels like the perfect time for the trilogy meeting between McGregor and Diaz, with both coming off losses. The winner would re-enter the title stakes, and with both commanding huge fan bases, it would be a good thing for the UFC and everyone involved in the title picture. As well as the fighters we've already mentioned, former champion Rafael Dos Anjos and former interim champion Ferguson could just be one win away from getting back in the title mix, depending on the assignments they get. Diego Ferrer's upcoming clash with Benil Darius should also have implications on the title mix, and all-action Paul Felder is also in a position to make a power move with the right matchup. Namaga Madoff's run through the UFC's lightweight division will likely be the measuring stick for all champions in the division for years to come. But just because the Eagle has taken his final flight, it doesn't mean that there won't be a huge amount of fun to be had at 155 pounds. The current title grouping consists of some of the most exciting fighters on the planet. In the aftermath of GSP's title reign, welterweight became one of the most entertaining divisions in the sport. Before the Canadiens' championship reign, BJ Penn leaving the division after his shock win over Matt Hughes made way for the GSP era on the back of his rivalry with Hughes. After Pulver walked away as lightweight champion in 2002, it took the division two years to kick back into action. So, comparatively, the lightweight division is already thriving in the absence of Habib. We can always sit around and ponder what could have been, but we should be grateful for the amazing showcase we've seen from Namagamadoff. In a way, his dismissing a comeback for a big payday is another nod to how honourable the champion has proved to be over his tenure with the UFC. And as things stand, he has had one of the most graceful exits we've seen in a business that's punctuated by pain and heartache. We can't ask for much more than that. Surely. Don't call me Shirley. Big thanks to Max Randall for editing this video. You can follow him on at Max underscore Randall on Twitter. As always, we appreciate the consumption of our wonderful content. Please like and subscribe. We upload three dazzling videos per week to keep you on your toes. So please hit us up in the comments section to tell us how you feel. You can also join our Discord channel, the link for which is in the description. I really hope you enjoyed the video this week. Slán August Bannacht.